said, empty your mind. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. How are your holidays, by the way? My holidays are fantastic. Uh, these are my back-to-back-to-back favorite holidays of the year. Of course, of course, especially as a teacher, right? Absolutely. Get some good time. So, by the way, this is Cancel Teachers. I am Garcia. This is my homeboy. Howlett. Okay, so I want to start off our intro here. I want your opinion. You know, you're a white guy, right? White people tend to do crazy, extreme activities. Am I right or wrong about that? You are wrong. I am only (laughs) half white. And yes, white people do some extreme, crazy things. I want to talk to you about a minute or two about spurlunking. What do you know about spurlunking? (laughs) Oh, it's when you strap some harnesses onto your body and you basically cliff dive into caves so i was watching a youtube video on spelunking and that is the craziest sport in the world like nobody should be doing that Uh, there are very few things in life that i can honestly say i would never do and have no intentions of ever doing that is one of them Uh, i am not claustrophobic but the idea of going into uh, caves that may or may not have ever had a human being inside of them. Uh-huh. There's a lot of safety issues involved. It's just too crazy for me. It's uh, it's up there. I'd rather go skydiving. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Spelunking. I watched a documentary about some guy in Utah. I forgot his name, so I apologize. And he went spelunking in a little cave in Utah, if I'm not mistaken. And he goes, he's trying to make a turn. He makes a wrong turn and he gets stuck upside down. Long story, yeah, yeah long story short, they, 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 they couldn't get him out. And he was upside down. So the blood was coming down for almost 24 hours. They tried to break him out and they couldn't break him out. Long story short, he dies in there and supposedly like there was maybe a couple of inches between his face and the wall and you talk about claustrophobia that is next level i feel like every single person that does stuff like that is like uh J- the james franco character oh in 127 hours yeah 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 i don't know he gets his arm pins yeah has to cut his arm off to survive yeah i feel like that's every time you strap on a harness and you you put yourself in a situation like that you're you're risking uh, coming out without an arm or hung, hanging upside down until you die r.i.p to the guy in, in utah yeah supposedly they couldn't even bring him out they actually talked to the family to leave him there his body and uh they filled it up with concrete and they put they closed down the cave that nobody can go in there and to this day suppose he's still there that's like his burial ground pretty intense well, right that's uh I mean, at least he has a claim with his burial ground. You should have seen the documentary. It was intense. Um, You are the documentary guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyways, to the topic at hand, you want to go ahead and lead us off on that? Yes. Well, 
we are going to deep dive into <laughs> the historical record with the Titanic. Ooh, the movie or the actual event? The actual event. Oh, okay. Uh, I think most of the people, especially the ones that are listening to us now, they grew up and they, I'm going to say the majority of people have seen the, the James Cameron movie, uh, but we're going to talk strictly the historical event, the sinking well, the maiden voyage and eventual sinking of the Titanic. I love that topic. Titanic, it's over 100 years now since this tragedy happened. When was it? April 15, 1912, right? Yeah, it's it's been 100 years. And um, I don't know. I feel like there's this this mystique about the, the Titanic because we know that when it sailed, it was the 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 biggest ship that had ever sailed but compared to the size of ships that we have now have you seen those princess cruise ships yeah 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 like it it's it's hard it's it's a it's like pulling a thread from a a bygone era mm. something that we really can't grasp we have this idea of it but it's not quite the reality of 2022 uh, the world that we live in well, you know what? You know, a few weeks ago, we did the, the Wright Brother episode, and we talked a lot about the evolution of the plane. And you see that in, in Titanic. It was the height of the evolution at the time of one of the most coveted forms of transportation and trade that there was. And the maritime cruise would be, you know, was, was that you could say that was the birth of it, of this Titanic ship. And, you know, two or three years ago, I was on a cruise. I was on a carnival cruise. And, you know, that's a freaking hotel in the middle of the ocean, my man. So. how Do you know how many people were on your cruise? Oh, man. A couple of hundred, for sure. And it, it was a holiday cruise. It was during Christmas time. So it was, it felt overwhelming. But, you know, when you're on this cruise, you know, you're in the middle of the ocean. And you feel the vulnerability. You could tell, like, man, if this boat goes down, it is over. And that is kind of what happened to Titanic in a weird way. And it, and if you go back, go back in time to 1912, uh, the ocean was uncharted. It's one of those, <laughs> when you set sail and you basically are leaving your life to sensors and uh, compasses and all these things uh, that are that are compared to what we have now Mm -hmm. like remedial they were they were very simple kind of things Mm -hmm. and the fact that they hit a giant iceberg i can't imagine a cruise ship or a ship at the size of the titanic hitting an iceberg in uh in this this world in this this era yeah, I'll, but in 1912, yeah, yeah. in 1912, yeah, you're you're 100%. I kind of think that, you know, it kind of had to happen, you know, some unfortunately when it comes to events, usually it takes one big tragedy to, you know, start the, you know, the extra red tape, the precautions, everything like that for that for for accidents like the Titanic won't ever happen again. For them to, yeah, you're right. There'll be. I don't think there's any kind of way, any kind of cruise ship or, 
Navy ship or even a regular boat can run into an iceberg with today's technology and precautions that there is out there versus what there was back then. You're right. The ocean was uncharted. It was, you know, it was free range, you know, and, and unfortunately for the Titanic, it had the worst of it. I think it's a, one of those cautionary tales of human hubris. It's like mm. uh, the whole, it's unsinkable. The fact that it was, it was said to be this thing, and what is the one thing that took it down? Right. And we're not talking about eventually took it down. In its maiden voyage, right. the unsinkable ship sunk. Right, right. And it's like, it's one of those things that it's, we're going to, I'm going to take one of your, your quotes from our, your Rushmore of quotes. Mm-hmm. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> Fantastic episode, by the way. Um, well, you know, here's the funny thing. I was re- when I was doing research on the Titanic. Supposedly, they they had about five or six warnings that there were icebergs ahead, but the captain wasn't really translating it well. I don't know if he was incoherent or not, but they had plenty of warnings, kind of like Pearl Harbor, which I'm surprised we haven't done a an episode on Pearl Harbor yet. You know, there was warnings of an attack. On Pearl Harbor, there were they were notified that there were icebergs ahead. The famous line, "Iceberg straight ahead," right from the movie or whatever. Um, so there was warning to avoid it. We just don't know the exact details of why they couldn't, you know, avoid hitting the iceberg. Supposedly, by the time they saw the iceberg, they were like too close to even make a move to avoid hitting it. So. I don't know. I mean, I mean, when you're talking about what could have been prevented or what could have happened if they would have been focused a little bit more on those warnings, history could have been told a lot differently. Well, here's another thing that could have changed history. Mm-hmm. You know who the financer of the Titanic was? Wasn't it, uh, I want to say Hershey? J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan, yes. No, the Hershey guy was going to get on the boat, but he had to, something came up, he couldn't get on there, him and his wife or something like that. But yeah, J.P. Morgan, right, go ahead. That's, just imagine what would have happened if J.P., he wasn't on the ship. Yeah. If J.P. Morgan of uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, the bank system, you know, the the big money guy. The big money guy. One of the, we used to teach this. Robert Barons, Rockefeller, Rockefeller, and yeah, yeah, from the Gilded Age, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, so and we should talk about them at some point too. Yeah, the Robert Barons, one of the most influential American American businessmen uh, of the industrial age, mm-hmm. and he basically set America on the path to becoming this industrial force, this this force of nature that would put us in the uh, conversation of greatest country in the world. And what would have happened if he was on the Titanic? Oh, well, you know, I kind of considered the Titanic being the crown jewel. It should have been the crown jewel of the ending of the Gilded Age, going into the progressive era and, of course, into the next um, era of American history. The Titanic at the time, the reason why I feel like they coined it the unsinkable ship was kind of to put the exclamation point on that era. And the fact that it went down tell like foretells what 
how tragic in a weird way that the Gilded Age was in treating the people and all that stuff. And I don't know. It, it kind of has like a weird connection in my opinion. The Titanic and when you bring up J.P. Morgan. I it, I think you make a good a good point there with the it should have ushered in a new era. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but I mean hindsight's twenty twenty because what ten years after that, uh, well twenty years after that we would hit the Great Depression. So what would have happened to to the Titanic if it had survived to live through the Great Depression? Uh, or right or right, right. would it have been usurped by something bigger? You know how humans are. Mm-hmm. You somebody builds a hill, the next guy's going to build a bigger hill. Would we in this world have these giant like floating islands mm-hmm. if the Titanic wouldn't have sunk? Mm. Well, I, yeah, I mean, well, look, what would happen a few years later? Lusitania would get sunk. Same idea. Different circumstances, but there were innocent people on that boat as well that got sunk as well. It seems to me like the teens from 1910 to 1920 were these experimental inventions or experimental uh, mega creations or mega builds that, you know, tend to have tragic endings. And Titanic was just, you know, it's timeless. You know, we, we, we still talk about it to this day. You know, the, one of the biggest movies, that was the biggest movie of all time, was it 25 years ago? Uh, Tells that story. I, no, go ahead. Yeah, I and it's a good movie. I remember, uh, and I, we didn't want to talk about the movie too much. But yeah, I remember it was a VHS, and uh, it was two. It was two cassettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember and it's that. Like, I, it's, I think it's the only two cassette VHS that I've I, I've seen. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the movie was great. But the story itself, I think, will stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I said, it's not really that big of a deal uh planes crash boats have been sunk you would think that the, the lusitania the sinking of the lusitania would be a more well-known ship sinking well than the titanic the lusitania is what brought in the americans into world war one was one of the yeah, main catalysts if you if, if you go i guarantee if you walked around uh the united states and probably england because that's where it set sail from and you mm-hmm. asked people what is the most famous sinking ship right right more people will say titanic and here's the funny thing when lusitania went down what triggered that event i mean what would tri- what would come after the sinking of the lusitania i mean you're talking about hundreds of thousands of soldiers would end up dying after this 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 setup after this explosion of lusitania and it's nowhere in comparison to the Titanic, but yet you're right. The Titanic gets all the hype, gets all the publicity. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's more of a romantic thing because it was. I think I think you were you were shooting a little low on the hundreds of thousands of soldiers, because if it wasn't for World War One, Hitler would never have taken control of Germany. Oh. We never would have had World War Two. Okay, I see where you're going. It's like you're yeah. going back to your Julius Caesar uh, <laughs> conversation. Yeah. One. It's like a butterfly effect. One small change. Mm. But yet, we do talk about the Titanic a whole lot more than we talk about the Lusitania. Well, at least in conversation. For those uh, that... We haven't had... For those that aren't familiar with Lusitania, which I hope they are because this is a history podcast, go ahead and give them a little 
snippet of what Lusitania is all about. Well, when we used to teach the kids, right. uh, it's it's a high school high school te- high school standard. Uh, it's the cause we te- we teach causes, cause and effect. Right. What led to an event and what the effect of the event was. Mm-hmm. And the event we're talking about is World War One. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scene. The Lusitania was a a ship that was that had Americans on it. It was not an American ship. And yeah, it was sunk. Mm-hmm. It was sunk off the coast of Europe, and it would lead to a, a domino effect that would eventually, eventually pull the Americans into World War One. Uh, there were German submarines that were sinking ships off the coast of Europe. Yeah, and in reality, uh, I think that in hindsight. The Germans might not have been really wrong. If you're at war and you're going to try to cut off a supply line to an enemy, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's not a bad move. But it did. They were warned. They they were warned. The Lusitania, the, Lusitania, uh, the Sussex. Right. That was the other one. Right. And eventually, after the warnings and that the Germans not, they wouldn't stop their actions, we declared war and we entered World War One. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our entering world war one would push the allies uh over the tipping point it was a pretty even long drawn out battle Mm -hmm. up until that point and then when the americans entered uh it tipped the scales and we'd come out as heroes but if the lusitania hadn't been sunk and then the you know the sussex and all the actions after that we might not have ever entered world war one yeah who knows who knows how that war would have ended up and then uh, when we talked about domino effect and that that Julius Caesar butterfly effect thing, uh, the Germans were blamed for the their actions in World War One mm-hmm. uh, because of the Treaty of, of Versailles. Yeah. Hitler was able to kind of take control and take power in Germany uh, because the Germans were looking for some something, some kind of hope, and then obviously Hitler uh, leads them down a path that would start World War Two. Right. And you, if you throw in the Holocaust with that, the sinking of the, 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 the Lusitania had a far greater effect than the sinking of the Titanic. But it's a hell of a movie, though. About, <laughs> yeah, it's a hell of a movie. And, it, you know, we would not have all the Leonardo DiCaprio movies that we know and love. Um, and, you know, going back to the Titanic, all right, let's just go back to, I mean, you know, look. <laughs> This is not the uh, episode on Lusitania. I think that in a weird way, what the Titanic did to go back, you know, it it, it, it created a trend. I mean, you got to realize this thing cost us 7.5 mil just to make. And if you go into, if you, if you use, if you, if you use a inflation calendar, that is over a quarter of a billion dollars today. So, Putting going back to the Gilded Age, it's kind of that's why I kind of feel like in a weird way that the Titanic was the crown jewel to end the era of the Gilded Age, and I think that's what J.P. Morgan had in mind when he invested into the Titanic to set the new trend of these big mega mega boats at the time. Well, James Cameron uh, put his money where his mouth was and created that special submarine. And went oh, down and was right, able right, to right. was able to photograph the Titanic. We had never we hadn't seen it oh, that's since right. it had sunk. So we've seen photographs of the Titanic. And obviously we'll never be able to bring it up mm-hmm. because of you know the pressure of being right. down there so long, right. it'll disintegrate. Mm-hmm. But for the the fact that that ship 
being submerged in water for a hundred years still is still there mm-hmm. shows how well this ship was made and uh you know you could see the banisters and you could see a lot of this stuff uh, the movie did a good job of kind of conveying the extravagance of yeah. the titanic mm-hmm. but the fact that it's still sitting there at the bottom of the ocean hasn't disintegrated yet shows that the money was they put their money where their mouth was mm-hmm. and you know unfortunately if a boat hits a giant iceberg, it's probably not going to stay afloat. Well, they didn't find it for over 70 years. I mean, they've been lo- they were looking for it for ages, for decades, and it took they didn't they weren't able to find it until 1985. That just goes to show you the vastness and the depth of the ocean, especially on that higher higher realm of the planet um, where the accident occurred. And that iceberg you're talking about. I mean, you're talking about, if I'm not mistaken, it was like a 300-foot gash into the, into the boat, into the Titanic. I mean, that's going to sink anything, which is why it divided in half and the rest is history. It took 70 years to find that other part or to find the main focus of the Titanic. I'm not going to lie. When I was a kid, that might have been the most tense scene I think I had seen. Um, when, when the ship tilted up and snapped in half i have that a bet be, yeah I, go ahead. i'm sorry go ahead i'm just gonna be that that'd be that that would be a hell of an experience because um i think what 25 it was i'm gonna round up those who know me know that i like to round up or round down and i'm never right but i'm gonna <laughs> round up there was like it was it was under 2500 i think it was like 2200 people were on the boat and a bunch of them survived i think uh Almost, you know, under a thousand survived, but about a thousand survives. That, what, a, what an experience it would be. Fifteen hundred did not survive, give or take, out of the yes, twenty-two hundred. died. So you're talking about close but that to seventy percent died. Eight hundred, eight hundred people survived. Yeah, yeah. That's uh that's a good amount. Well, one uh, good little, one good little tidbit I heard is that they didn't fill the Titanic up with enough our uh, life-saving boats. Even though they had the capacity to bring to bring in more boats on there, they just they wanted to keep the boat light, and that ended up costing many lives. If they would have had every boat in there, then they you know history could have been written a lot differently. Not to mention a lot of these boats because they were in panic. The boats, uh, the rescue boats, they had a capacity, if I'm not mistaken, of about sixty to seventy people, but they were only filling them about twenty, twenty-five, thirty people at a time, and they were just taking off. So yeah, the 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 lifeboats held sixty five people. Right, right. And a, a lot of them left with less than half of their capacity. Let me ask you a question, and then we'll transition. You know, there's a famous scene in the movie, and it's already been well documented that this that this actually happened. But the musicians stayed on the boat on the boat for an extra for over two hours playing. Now I know you, and our our listeners know you. I know that you are a guy who, when you commit, you're going to finish it out, good or bad. Would you, Absolutely. Would you have, <laughs> if you were one of those musicians, would you have kept playing or would you have kicked rocks and gotten on a boat? Uh, the, the cocky, legacy-driven uh, part of me would say yes. Hell yes, I'm staying on that boat. I'm going to... You know that's that's we're still a hundred years. You you just brought up these mu- musicians again. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is legacy, my man. 
And yeah, but we don't know their names. Does, Not that I know of. Maybe I, I mean maybe they're there. I don't know. But you're asking. You, they have literally set a bar. Mm-hmm. That they've set some kind of bar. That is a legacy. And for me, that's what I want to leave when I die. Is I want some kind of legacy that'll live on. Even if I'm not known by name, I could be that musician that decided that he was going to stay on the Titanic and go down with the ship, or the captain himself, right. who went down with the ship. Uh. That is badass, a badass story. But the human part of me <laughs> is probably going to say that I'm trying to get on one of those lifeboats, and I'm 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 getting out of there. Yeah, you got to uh, realize it was a different kind of man back in the day compared to the men that are today. You know, I mean, back then there was principles. There was the whole women and children first thing. And I know for a fact, me, I would be, let's put the children, let's put the women in. And if there's room for me, all right, fine. But I would be one of those like you doing what I can to make everybody safe first. That's just in my DNA. So I'm with you, man. And like I said, you a human never knows until they're in that that situation but yeah. i would like to say that i'm going down with the ship right part of me does think that it could go either way though because mm-hmm. uh, in a situation where your life's on the line you're you're usually going to fight to survive you're going to fight to stay alive mm-hmm. and by staying on the ship you know it's it's it's, it's over but then you also got to realize that they were taking women and children first mm-hmm. and we are we're men and we're you know we're, we're expendable. I agree. So I agree. that could have been, that could have been a big part of their decision too. Is they're looking around, they're seeing, uh, you know, all these these guys not getting on these boats, and they're like, you know what, let's do it. Let's just, let's just do it. Yeah. So we didn't talk about the movie. We did not talk about the movie. Well, we did. I we feel touched like up a little bit on it. The movie's been done to death. I think that when we talk, when you think of of greatest movies of all time. Uh, especially most money when it comes to money making right the titanic is always in the conversation mm-hmm. it is a beautiful movie it's done really well and it has created a, a whole generation of actors and actresses that we're, we're all familiar with it was the uh, notebook before the notebook i would watch the titanic all five hours of it a million times before i watched it. i've never seen the notebook i have Unfortunately, uh, I agree with you. I'd rather watch Titanic, um, but I agree. Yeah, that movie would produce many, many new legacies that were were, were born in the movie The Titanic, and unfortunately, one legacy died in the Titanic in that movie. The what was the villain's name again? The one that played Phantom? Oh, was it? Oh, I know what was guy. his name? Oh my God. Wait. Yeah, the one guy, the guy that was trying to hook up with the same chick that Leo was trying to hook up with. No, that, that, was, that was his chick, and Leo took his chick or something. Yeah, like that, that guy. You're talking about that guy, what right? What was his name? I don't remember his name, but he he did a lot of things. I know he, he was sure no, he. he was super popular before the Titanic, and then all of a sudden after the Titanic, he kind of fell off the map. Well, here I'm gonna give you a little uh, a little <laughs> hot take. Go for it. He was a good-looking guy when he was in Titanic. Was, and obviously, he was good-looking before the Titanic. People get old. He's gorgeous. He didn't age very well. He's a gorgeous guy. He was, I mean, but, I mean, from 1997 to 2022, I mean, he didn't get, he didn't age in 1998. You know, it took years for it to happen. But he just seemed to fall off the map after Titanic. 
What was his name? I forgot his name. I don't know. The only main name that comes to mind is Ray Liotta, and I know it wasn't Ray Liotta. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to look it up. But, all right. Well, while he's... Go ahead. While he's looking it up, we are going to move on to the magnificent, the mystical, the phenomenal... By the way, his name was Billy Zane. Billy Zane. Yeah, 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 yeah. The phenomenal Mount Rushmore. Not about Billy Zane, but very close. <laughs> very close. We are going to be talking about the gr- the greatest Oscar snubs. Or the greatest movies. Are we talking about the greatest movies to never win an Oscars? No. The, we're talking about the worst winners the worst movies to, to the yeah. worst movies there to, you go. yeah so i yeah the, the greatest oscar snubs the movies that won an oscar the oscar we're going to talk about the greatest uh, the uh, best picture winners no we're just all in general nominations the worst nominees okay. or the worst winners worst nominees no the worst winners uh, of all time worst winners worst oscar winners of all time yeah. i can go i can stick to that so it could be film it could be actors it could be actresses whatever Okay, that opens up my list. I did have a couple actors and actresses. I didn't know if that's the direction you wanted to go. All right. But now that I know, mm-hmm. oh, I know. Which also means that we probably won't cross over in this. This. Uh, it's a pretty big spectrum. I agree. It's going to be a pretty big spectrum. Yeah. I'm not thinking we're going to cross over. All right. Who knows, though? Yeah. All right. So I went first last time. You go first this time. What is your Thomas Jefferson? Now, I'm going to go with. Your number four. My number four. I'm going to go hard. Mm. I'm going to go hard right in the paint. You ready? Hit me. Worst Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. Forrest Gump. <laughs> Talk to me. Only because it won over Shawshank Redemption, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it mm. won over Pulp Fiction, which I know is one of your favorite movies of all time. Right. Now, when you... And I just think that to... to Say that it's better than Pulp Fiction and Shawshank Redemption. That's a that's a tough sell. It's a very tough sell. Well, look, Sha- uh, I've Shawshank, seen a lot of Tom Hanks movies. Yeah, Go ahead. Shawshank Redemption. I mean, some people say it's the greatest movie of all time, isn't it? On IMDb, the movie database's number one movie ranked it's movie, top three, and it's what it's my, one of my top five movies. I know we made that list of hundred greatest movies of all time according to us. Yeah. And it was in my top three. I love Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic movie. And, uh, yeah, I, don't, I cannot say. I love Forrest Gump. It's, I think it's a good movie, but it's not better than the, the other alternatives that year. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Very, I mean, I'm very surprised because I know Forrest we, – we talked about it on the last episode. Forrest Gump is one of your favorite movies. I'm surprised you threw and, it in the gauntlet there. That's why that's why it came to mind when I was thinking of, you know what? It's not that good. It's not it's not best picture. Yeah. Very subjective of you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I went four. I didn't put it number one. I put, yeah. I put it number four. All right, cool. All right. So my number four. I've talked about this before. All right. On one of our episodes, uh, I think it was the. Uh, well, anyways, not the point. The 2007 Oscars. On the foreign film category, the movie that won best foreign film was called The Lives of Us from Germany. And it won best pick or best foreign film over, can you guess? 
Uh, shit, I know. Um, 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 um. You talk, he's your main guy. He's your favorite director. You said the other day he's the best director in the world. Oh, right now. Guillermo del Toro. Which is? Uh, uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth, right? I'll be. Uh, let me tell you something about my. Let me give you a little backstory. All right. I used to watch the Oscars. I used to love watching award shows because I would say when they would show the nominees and and then when, when they're about to announce the winner, I was right about. I would guess the the winner about eighty to eighty five percent of the time. It was like a like a little thing I liked, right? But when the Lives of Us beat out Pan's Labyrinth for Best Foreign Film, which, by the way, Pan's Labyrinth that year should have been nominated for Best Picture overall. It had everything. It had acting. It had costume design. It had a great story. It was 100% unique. The technology, yada, yada, yada. Fantastic film. And it loses to The Lives of Us, a freaking musical? No. No. At that moment when Pan's Labyrinth lost... Since that day, I have not watched another Oscar show since then. And I watched every single one before that. So to me, that's my number four. To me, it's one of the greatest robberies, not even in cinema history, but in world history as well. Okay, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was It was a bigger robbery to me than... This year, when Alabama got, or my Longhorns got robbed by the by Alabama and the referees in college football. Okay, well, now I'm gonna go with a couple. I I went with personal ones. I went personal ones. Yeah, I can see with your with your last one and my first one, you went really personal too. I know how much you love Pan's Labyrinth. Phen- phenomenal. And uh, and I'm glad that we're going with. Uh, personal things so that mm-hmm. you know the people that that are listening to us know that we just didn't read these off of a list mm-hmm. that we actually spent some time thinking about uh why these these are egregious egregious, egregious picks absolutely <laughs> there's the word of the day right egregious a hundred percent uh and i'm going to continue the our egregious picks because and there's worse i i think i i you're going to see a trend with my picks in 2013, and we show this in class. Oh, okay. All right. Talk to me. Uh, there was a little Ben Affleck, a Ben Affleck film that came out called Argo. Argo. That was a great movie. It was great. But was it better than Django Unchained? Was it better than La Miz? Was it better than Lincoln? Was it better than Zero Dark Thirty? Was it better than Life of Pi? Yes, 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 yes. No. Not so it was better it than a, Le, it was let me tell you something. It was better than Lay Miz. You know how I feel about musicals. I think they're the worst thing on planet Earth with an F. Earth. Welcome to Earth. And look, dude, Lay Miz absolutely, bro. You're telling me that a movie that's been remade a million times in theater and in cinema is going to get nominated for best picture? No, man. Well, didn't the one movie with uh the one movie with uh Bradley Cooper yeah. and Same th- I was thinking the same thing. That fucking movie should not have been nominated either cuz it's a fucking remake. How are you going to get I mean, where's the uniqueness there? You could just imagine being an actor, 
And believe me, I tried breaking in the film industry in my 20s, so I know a little bit about this stuff, right? Imagine an actor watching or, or learning his role from an exact replica from a movie, the same movie from years or decades before. That's like cheating. So, no, Les Mis, Argo was definitely better than Les Mis. Okay? Better than Django? You're a Tarantino guy. I'm a huge Tarantino guy. Yes, I'm going to say better than Django. Better than Lincoln? No, that's where I draw the line. No. Lincoln was next level. I loved it. And Daniel Day-Lewis, if I'm mistaken, he won Best Actor for that one, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, That was kind of his, that was at the height of, and I love him. Uh, You know, Gangs of New York is one of my favorite movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, phenomenal actor. Right. Uh, And, yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think Argo was better than that list. I I think it's it's a little overrated. Argo had a tremendous pace. I think it was, I mean, it told a great story. You and I have taught that story. And I don't know. I, I I think I think it's deserving, but I'm not mad at your pick. A lot of people have said that about Argo, so I'm with you on that. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so my number three is 1999 Oscars. The winning Best Picture was Shakespeare in Love by Mr. Harvey Weinstein. You did it. You stole one of my picks. I said it wasn't going to happen. You stole <laughs> one of my picks. Well, honestly. I'll let you have it. Okay, okay. Uh, well, you know, I mean, it beat out Saving Private Ryan, man, and yes. a thin red Absolutely. line. You and I show not... Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan, and I, I will die on this sword. The most well done recreation of something that cannot be recreated. Well, our first episode, our first episode ever was D-Day. And you and I talked about Saving Private Ryan over and over and over. So for our podcast listeners, go to our first episode and boom, we're coming full circle right here. But the fact that Shakespeare in Love won by that piece of shit, Harvey Weinstein, I mean, there, there, there had to have been some kind of manipulation. How do you give that movie best picture over the emotional, the accurate? I mean, I'm sure there was some inaccuracies in The Thin Red Line and in Saving Private Ryan, of course. But the rawness and the authenticity that Saving Private Ryan had, whether you love or hate Tom Hanks, Vin Diesel, uh, who else was in that movie? Uh Everybody, right? Pretty much everybody was in that movie. And it did not win Best Picture? Are you kidding me? I don't know. Yeah, it is egregious. It is egregious. That is... Uh, and I love Satan Pipe Ryan. And mm-hmm. I I might go back and listen to our first episode just to see how close we align with our, our previous thoughts. Well, you know what? Now that I think uh, about it, not to cut you off, in the late 90s, Shakespeare had like a little bit of a renaissance. I remember Romeo and Juliet just came out. If I'm not mistaken, they did a Hamlet version as well. And I think this Shakespeare in love thing was kind of like, you know, the cherry on top. All right, we got to give the recognition. So if that's the reasoning, it's still fucking bullshit because you and I know Saving Private Ryan, the greatest, probably the greatest war movie 
since 1917. Okay, so I'm going to roll my next one in because I did have, like I said, I had uh, some uh, some backups. Okay, cool. And I'm going to roll it in with yours because it's the same subject. I did have... I did have the same pick, but we're gonna go Roberto Benigni. Oh, I don't even know how to say his last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had he that. He was uh, best actor in 1998 for the movie Life Is Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Who did he beat out for best actor? Tom Hanks in Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. Ian McKellen, Nick Nolte, and Edward Norton in American History X. And I am not gonna lie, I don't think that there's a movie that I have seen that hit you as hard for the first time as American History X. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, yeah. honestly, I don't think Tom Hanks should have been runner. I mean, we don't know who the runner-up is, but I don't think it, it would be Tom Hanks in that group. I think it would have been Ed Norton. Hey, that scene at the end of the movie when he's hold, they show a close-up of him holding his gun yeah. and it's shaking. Yeah. Uh yeah 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 I know I know I know, but I would give right. it to Norton honestly. Yeah, that's just I'm I'm only putting that one out there because you you flat out stole my my pick that was that was my pick, uh, because that's that's a pretty big one, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. He's saving Private Ryan stuff, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably if you Google if you Google it you're gonna it's gonna be on every list. Right. Hopefully, pretty high up. Yeah, it should be. Okay, so what is your next one? All right, my number two, and I've talked to you about this before. Nobody has ever, I don't think anybody on planet Earth has this take, except for me. And I feel flattered about that. And it is the 2001 Academy Awards where Russell Crowe Gladiator. wins. No, he wins Best Actor over... From Gladiator, you're right, over Tom Hanks in Castaway. Oh, yes. Oh, we've talked about this. Yes, yes, yes. We've yeah. seen, we've seen the Gladiator character many times in many variations of movies, from Spartacus to everything, right? All those old Roman films, Greek films from back in the days, right? The fact that they chose Russell Crowe who did nothing special, by the way. What, do you, what was it, just a speech that they use at halftime shows in football games? Okay, fine. But you're telling me that was better than the emotional ride that Tom Hanks had in Castaway, especially that part when he's on the, on the, on the little life raft and he loses Wilson when he's weeping like a baby because Wilson falls into the, into the surf to never be seen again? What about the scene at the very end when they rescue him and he's in the little, they're having like a little party for him and he's looking at the crab legs like, man, you know what I had to go through just to eat crab? And here it is like an abundance on a freaking platter like nothing. I mean, come on. What, what Tom Hanks did transcended the acting role. You saw him lose all that weight just to to fill in this character. I don't know. To me, it's the biggest robbery in cinema Oscar history when it comes and to best I, actor. I do own Castaway. Mm-hmm. I try to make a, a habit of owning every movie that I think is 
on the list of greatest movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And Castaway is phenomenal. And for a movie to exist just with one person, exactly, uh, it it hits hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything about it, it does. It eats you up. Tom Hanks is on my list of five greatest actors of all time. And uh, the fact that he made this, he's made this list multiple times, shows how much. <laughs> Including since I told I said one of his movies didn't deserve to win mm-hmm. with Forrest Gump, and then we talked about Saving Private Ryan, and now Castaway. Right, this just might it might have just well been you know our Mount Rushmore of Tom Hanks. Right, might, it should have been. I mean, maybe we should just do a Mount Rushmore of Tom Hanks movies. Yeah, all right, there's d- definitely eight of them. So okay, what so is my your number, number two? one? Oh, you're on number two now. No, I already I started it. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You're number one. Go so for it. So this is it. This is my my Uno. Talk to me. Now, my original Uno was the Saving Private Ryan one, but I had to flip-flop it. So my ne- my new number one, and I loathe this movie mm-hmm. for very specific and very personal reasons. Talk to me. In 2019, mm. 2019. the Best Actor Award winner mm-hmm. is Rami Malek. Oh, for Bohemian Rhapsody. For playing Freddie Mercury mm, in Bohemian Rhapsody. Right, right, right. I, I saw that. that movie, I saw that, yeah. That movie won four Oscars. Mm-hmm. It deserved zero, zero. Oscars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought Rocket Man was a thousand times better, considering the fact that the guy who plays Freddie Mercury, who is a good actor, uh, lips he they he lips sunk his he lips he lips sunk his the whole soundtrack mm-hmm. it wasn't him yeah and rocket man uh the guy sang all the elton john songs right right i don't think you could win best actor if they have to superimpose somebody else's voice over your voice for uh the singing lines when it's a movie about this guy who sings and freddie mercury is freddie mercury and queen uh they hold a special place in my heart i love queen it was my dad's favorite band when he was a little kid so he kind of passed it on to me and i grew up listening to queen uh bohemian rhapsody is one of the greatest songs of all time freddie mercury had a very specific voice and if you're gonna win best actor by playing something like freddie mercury you gotta be able to sing like him not to mention the movie was very safe like they 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 touched up on the homosexuality but they didn't really deep dive into it because they wanted to keep it, I don't want to say PG, but they wanted to keep it, you know, viewer friendly. They were a 70s and 80s rock band. Exactly. Their lead singer ended up getting AIDS. Right. He was gay. They could have done so much with that Yeah, story. they could have done so much with the story what it would, where it would have been worthy of best acting and best picture performance. And you know who was supposed to play that character? That- uh, Freddie Mercury before him. Who? Sasha. Oh, Baron Sasha Cohen. Baron Cohen. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would have been. He's the one that championed that the the story. He's the one that got the story okayed, mm-hmm. uh, and then it it all fell apart because they didn't think that he could play a serious role. Right. Uh, and he's played some serious parts since then, so he's obviously shown. But I don't think he'll ever get a chance to play a a wow. main character who's serious. But I just don't. It doesn't sit well with me. It leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, yeah, I expected more since I love Freddie Mercury and I love Queen, and I think that that story could have been so much better. Uh, and I, you're right, it played it safe. They did. Played it safe. They and did. The fact that he didn't sing the songs and it was uh, a biopic about 
uh, a rock band. Yeah. <laughs> Just it doesn't. They shouldn't have won. No, I agree. I'm with he you 100. percent That is almost as egregious as Russell Crowe winning Best Actor over Tom Hanks. Now Russell Crowe is a phenomenal actor, and we've had. I will fight you on that. Over uh, Castaway. Russell Crowe in Gladiator is amazing. I love Gladiator. I think Gladiator. Gladiator is better than Castaway, but Tom Hanks is a better actor in that case. Um. Okay. Um, I'd but, rather watch. I'd rather watch Gladiator. Yeah, me too, for sure. But you can't. I mean, I guess you can deny Tom Hanks best best actor because that's exactly what happened. But it's not even in the same realm, man. I got to be honest. You're going back to my number two. That performance in Castaway has been unmatched for over 21 years. I haven't seen another performance as good as that since then. Uh, maybe Jamie Foxx is Ray. Uh, I did like Will Smith and Ali. Was that before or after? It was after, I think. All right, back to my, no, so my number one. Okay, your number one. Is actually, guess what? You're number four. Four is come. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. I wanted that because I didn't think we were going to cross paths again. So, I, so we I crossed paths twice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Yeah. Now, now, why why do you have Forrest Gump so high? Why do you put it on your Rushmore of worst Oscar-winning movies? I think it was the beginning of that shift where the Oscars was becoming more viewer-friendly than this rugged uh, statue that these actors earned, you know? I think it was becoming more Disney at the time. I think this would be the beginning of it or become more political in the sense like, let's give it to Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump was a safe, fun, uh, historical movie. And let's not give it to the rightful winners such as Shawshank Redemption, right? Or that's based on a Stephen King novel, right? They didn't want to give the recognition Let's not give it to a horror writer or let's not give it to a brand new writer like Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction. Because you and I know that Shawshank and Pulp Fiction, those two movies, Pulp Fiction specifically, changed cinema. It changed movies in the 90s. It created a new style, a new genre that I don't think Forrest Gump or Shawshank Redemption really had. So... In my opinion, it's my number one because I think this was the beginning where the Academy started becoming more like, let's start picking based on politics versus more on worthy winners. I don't know. That's that's a, that's a little bit of a hot take for me. And I, I give it to you. Uh, obviously, I felt the same way because, you know, I said it yeah. as my number mm-hmm, four. Mm-hmm. Uh I just feel like, I, and I do like Forrest Gump. I think it's a great movie. It is. I just, I don't think it was the right choice. I think it, they should have went with uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption. I personally think Shawshank Redemption was better than. Uh, I, I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm Pulp okay Fiction. with that. Pulp Fiction was my number one for a long time. Now it's like number three of my all-time favorite movies, but. I mean, for a lot of people, Pulp Fiction is number one because, like I said, it changed cinema. It created a new style and genre and catapulted this director that, you know, 
people go out of their way just to watch his movies. There's very few directors where it's like, oh, he's directing it. I got to go watch it. Especially in an industry where it's about the actor and the actresses. And Quentin Tarantino, the maker of Pulp Fiction, he is that guy. And I'm okay if you choose Shawshank over Pulp Fiction. But to me, Pulp Fiction should have won Best Picture. Because it was just a unique story and great storytelling movie. Alright, so that's my number one. And I'll give it to you. Quentin Tarantino also just came out and said that his, his personal belief on who, what his best movie has been was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was a great movie too. I, I do like Quentin Tarantino. So my, my fifth man. Yeah, what's your um, sixth man? I feel like this was a cliche pick and uh, I didn't put it on my list because uh, for personal reasons, but it, How Green Was My Valley beat Citizen Kane for Best Picture. Oh, and yes. Most, a lot of people think Citizen Kane's the greatest movie of all time. I don't like Citizen Kane. I don't think it's the greatest. I don't even have it on my top 100 mm-hmm. because you know it's not my cup of tea. Right. But the fact is, is that I can't. I'll have to say that Citizen Kane is considered to be uh, one of the greatest movies of all time, and I've never even heard of How Green Was My Valley. Right. So, you know, I was uh, in, in college. I did a lot of film study, and the first movie you talk about is Citizen Kane. You're forced to watch it. And yeah, I agree with you. Um, I can see why it's one of the greatest movies of all time. They did vote it the best movie of the 20th century. Um, I can see why. It didn't win win the best movie of that year. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. And that's, that's what this whole Rushmore has been about, right? Movies that have been snubbed are the best or the worst winners. And I think that's definitely up there. I mean, especially now that Citizen Kane is, you know, they teach that. that That's like required reading, required watching in film study, for sure. I like your, I like your fifth man or sixth man or whatever you want to call it. What's yours? All right. And then I got, I, go ahead. All right. So mine is 1991 Oscars Dancing with Wolves. Or Dances Ooh. with Wolves? Dances with Wolves. Dances right? with Wolves with Kevin Costner. And you know what? I remember when I saw that as a kid, I liked it. But you know what? I have never seen it again. And I remember telling myself, I want to watch it again. But I just, eh, it's not my thing. But the reason why I chose that one is because it beat out Goodfellas. Yes. And that was the movie I was thinking of. We talked about uh, The Godfather, mm-hmm. and I brought up Scarface, and I mm-hmm. couldn't think of the Ray Liotta movie uh, that I think is better than Godfather, and that's Goodfellas. Well, coincidentally, uh, Goodfellas was nominated against Goodfell- uh, Godfather Part Three in that movie, which would lose to Dances with Wolves. So, I don't know. Uh, Goodfellas, to me, top five movie. It's on everybody's freaking man cave, the poster with Joe Pesci. He would win Best Supporting Actor for that movie. But the fact that not even Martin Scorsese would win Best Director for that movie just goes to show you how off these award ceremonies can be sometimes, especially the Academy Awards. I mean, that's they miss. They do miss. There's right. plenty that we miss. There's plenty that we miss. Sure, of course. Uh, we went personal, except for my my fifth man, which was the cliche one. <laughs> uh, I feel like that. 
we have between the two of us we have a lot at stake when it comes to the movies we like and when we go see a movie and we've walked away from the theater thinking damn that was a hell of a movie mm-hmm. we want to feel like that we're vindicated that right. our belief was was true and like when i brought up uh, once upon a time with in hollywood we went and saw that and we walked out thinking damn that was a great movie right and it it, ra- it racked up all kinds of oscars it did uh, it just makes us feel like we know what we're talking about and I'm going to end the podcast by saying we do know what we're talking about. I'm going to double up on your ending of the podcast. And this is something that not even Garcia knows about. And then if if people found out that I said this during our podcast, I might be dead next week. And he might have a new co-host. Well, we are canceled teachers. Talk to me. We are canceled teachers. Uh, and I'm going to get canceled for saying this. I have a baby coming. And do you know what the baby's name is going to be? What is it going to be? Quentin. Whoa! Really? <laughs> <Yep>. Holy Absolutely. shit. <laughs> so you're not going to go with uh, Jesus Muhammad? I'm not going with Muhammad, Muhammad Jesus. Okay. No, it's not. Uh, for those of you who didn't know, uh, Jesus Christ is an illegal name to name a kid in the state of Texas. Well, good thing I'm not in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Wow. Congratulations, my man. That is a phenomenal name. I love it. It is. I love it. But we didn't pick it. We didn't pick it because of Quentin Tarantino, but it's just a happy coincidence. I did throw out there before we decided. I said, you know that the only major Quentin that exists on this earth right now is Quentin Tarantino. And she was like, yeah. She's like, I love his movies. And I was like, that's that's it? Check that box. You know what, man? I'm going to say that you are naming him after Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) We are not naming him after Quentin Tarantino, but I am... Happy to say that he that my kid will share name with Quentin Tarantino. I surprised you didn't. Quentin Tarantino. I surprised you didn't go Peter Parker or something like that. No, the middle name Clark. Ah, Superman, nice. So, yeah, I love it. She picked Phenomenal. Quentin, by the way. She picked it. I yeah. love it. So now everybody knows, uh, and it's funny because I haven't even told uh, my pops yet, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, well, you sorry, tell, Dad, if you listen to if, if you're gonna listen to our podcast, that you had to find out this way. Well, you could, now um, me and our thousands of followers know before your pops. So that's pretty cool. I know. See, I put you guys first. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are canceled teachers talk unbelievable history, and if we're not back in five minutes, just wait longer. That's cool, yeah. man. Quinn, Quinn, I love that name. Phenomenal. I know. Spelled the same. Spelled the same way and everything. Ah. We hadn't. We we hadn't nailed it down yet, but we had decided a couple of days ago that it was going to be Quentin Clark. Wow, I love it. Good call, man. And Good call. Didn't even know that this is the way that this episode was going to go because <laughs> uh, I didn't uh, actually shun any Quentin Tarantino or push any Quentin Tarantino stuff this episode. I even I said Pulp Fiction was your movie, not mine. It is my movie, and I love that movie. I know. I still have yet to see it. Yeah. Well, there's another one in the book. Well, until next time, my man. Until next time. All right, brother. We'll talk later.